Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Common and Courageous. I'm so excited for this podcast and slightly nervous, but um, this podcast is about all things adoption, family, relationships, and relationships could be even broader too, like relationships with anxiety, relationship with friends. Um, I just hope that through these conversations, you're able to find a conversation that you can connect with and find something in common with. But most of all, just kindness and courage are two key things that I hope in every conversation we have. So today I am going to be diving into my personal experience with adoption and I have my husband here with me, Brian Lolick, to help guide me through uh, just kind of talking. So Brian, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thanks for having me on your first episode, Emily. <laughs> uh, no, I'm super excited for you. I mean, I know you've been talking about this uh, this podcast for for some time, and to see it actually start is is really excited exciting. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm Brian. I'm Emily's husband. That your your host husband. Um, so I'm I'm happy to 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 be on today and um it yeah i mean I, i'm you know happy to share you know more about myself as well but you know i think i think this first episode would be great you know for for you emily to be able to kind of share to your audience like you know why you're why you're creating this podcast like your story and, and your upbringing and um and all that so um yeah i mean i'm happy to jump into anything you want to start but (laughs) um yeah awesome well thanks for introducing yourself um yes so the podcast I've there's been several things over the past few years where um adoption or family or just topics have come up so uh most recently I was sitting in church at Reality LA and I had been kind of like praying before this about finding like a job that I feel purpose in and I think we're all put here for a reason. So I was kind of just praying that, okay, well, help me find that reason. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. And that same day in church or the night before when I was praying about that, this person came on stage and was looking for people to volunteer to kind of talk to people who are considering adoption and share their experience and was calling volunteers for that program. And so I was like, okay, this is it. This is my sign. This is what I'm meant to do. So I reached out to that individual and they were super responsive and, you know, let me know that when the time came or if they needed somebody to have a conversation that they would call on me. And, um, by no means was it like a counsel or therapy situation. It was very much just sharing experiences and um, a place of no judgment. And uh, nothing has really come of that. And even though that door is still open, I was just still feeling really called to talk about adoption in general, but more than that, just family, relationships, friends, topics that are lighthearted or, and some more serious. So I... I think that I thought to myself, why wait to start having these conversations when maybe somebody could benefit or feel connected to a conversation like this? And I think growing up, being adopted and not knowing anything about 
my biological family and then having siblings that know things about their biological family, I think I craved maybe an outlet of people sharing the same experience. And then going back even before that, four years ago, I was sitting on a, or it was five years ago, I was on a plane and this individual was sitting there and I feel like on planes, you never really know whether you should strike up a conversation or not. And I think she had asked me like what book I was reading or or opened the door for conversation. And by the end of the flight, she had shared with me that, you know, she had an adopted daughter who she was struggling if she should let her daughter reach out to some of her biological family members who perhaps weren't people of high integrity. And so by the end of that, she gave me a picture of her and her family and Um, I gave her my number in exchange and said, if your daughter ever wants to talk to somebody that has an insight and also is adopted, I'm more than happy to chat with her. And that picture has randomly resurfaced throughout the last six years. Like I'll open up a book and the picture will fall out or I'll see that picture just kind of come back out of nowhere sometimes. And I don't even know if I know where it is exactly at this moment, but I just feel like I was kind of called to do it in different ways over the years. And so that's how we landed here in the podcast. Well, no, I know, I know, you know, just since we spend every day together, um, it, it, it is a topic that comes up like a lot for you. And it seems like adoption is something that, you know, is people are always talking about or, or maybe thinking about, or not always talking about, um, but but thinking about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people who are adopted. There's a lot of people who need to be adopted. Um, you know, we hear about the, um, the uh, what's it called? Uh, the foster system, mm-hmm. you know, from, from various people. And I've known, you know, people who, who have been engaged with that. And, um, you know, I have friends who've been adopted and then um you know just with your story like just being so you know having such a unique upbringing and then you know mixed in with your all of your siblings who are also adopted um it's just been cool to watch you continually be put in positions where you know people are looking for answers and and you're kind of being put in that position to to, to answer this question sometimes, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> being in, on that plane with that, that woman, you know, who was talking to you about, oh, well, you know, h- how do I tell my daughter or like, you know, you know, how do I, how do I raise her to be like you being so confident and, um, you know, not being shy about being adopted or being mm-hmm. uh, ashamed of it or anything like that. Um, so it's just cool to see like your kind of growth in that, even in, you know, the four and a half, five years that I've known you. Um, so I don't know. I love that. I, I think that's, that's cool. But I guess like maybe for, for your audience, like, what do you like, I maybe go back from kind of share your story and like share how, um, you know, how you were adopted and, and kind of your upbringing with that and like what's your experience been like yeah and I think going back to what you said too I don't know if I'm really put in a place or 
to answer questions and I am not an expert on a lot of things like when it comes to adoption. I just, again, I'm speaking from my personal experience. So I think people like that girl maybe craved some someone that had that shared experience. So um, I don't know that people like necessarily crave answers as much as just perspective. Like, and I think that's why I wanted to do this too, is like, this is just one perspective. And I think that adoption can look so different for everyone some experiences are good some are not the best some are harder some are open some are closed and foster is really complicated as well and can be both beautiful and challenging and so I think that there are a lot of people like you said that know someone or have heard a story or um just are looking for that relatability which I hope that in this podcast people can be like oh, well, you, sh- you should listen to this person's perspective or story so that they can find that um, piece that maybe they're craving or looking for. And if they can, if people can, you know, grab something from one of these conversations that, that helps them, I certainly hope they do. And I look forward to having people on who are more educated with like the core topics and statistics of <laughs> things like this. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, it's such a unique topic because it's so personal. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a deep topic, you know? Like, it it's directly correlated to your family and to, you know, how you are in this world. And, like, you talk about nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, do I get these qualities from my biological dad or do I get them from my, you know, like, my dad, my adopted dad? And right. I think it's it's something people are curious about naturally um but it's such a it's a topic that i think there's not a lot of outlets to to really talk about these things um you know not you know not just for for people to who are considering adoption you know in in many different ways but for people who are just curious about adoption like or just you know you know want to feel more related um Mm -hmm. and feel like oh yeah there are things in common like you know everybody's family is like crazy everybody has like you know oh you should hear my family we're we're like we're crazy we're so messed up or we have so many family issues but I think it's it's sometimes people don't really have the outlet to talk about that and Mm -hmm. um or to hear that oh yeah other families have really unique situations or other people have hardships that they've gone through but just in our day and age with social media and just you know how we are how we live our lives like you keep on such a a facade like a facade or such an image to people on social media or on you know different formats that say oh yeah things are great like you know we got this we got this house we got a new car we got um you know we're taking this family trip everything you know from from the outside looking in looks amazing like oh my gosh I wish I had that family, but it's like, we don't know what's going on and like, we don't mm-hmm. know what their story is. And, um, you know, or, you know, in the inverse of that, looking at people who, you know, may look like they don't have a lot or like that they aren't doing a lot, but, you know, at home, things are really good. Things are really mm-hmm. healthy and, um, giving people a way to hear about different, different family dynamics and different relationships and, and different upbringings, I think is going to, it's just going to be cool for people to hear. And, um, you know, I'm excited for, you know, other people you have on in the future and 
um, just hearing those different stories and those different dynamics and how, um, you know, kind of people brought up and how it shapes them too. Because I know, you know, with your story, it's, I think it's shaped a lot of who you are in different ways. Not that it defines you or it, it's your identity by any means, but I think it does certainly shape who you are and, you know, who you become. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of times I don't really feel like adoption comes up randomly. Like I don't meet someone and I'm like, I'm adopted. Um, mm-hmm. And it usually comes through knowing or through like closeness with people in your life. But if it is someone that's, I guess, more of a stranger, they always say, is it okay if I ask you that? Or are you comfortable talking about it? Because it is, again, like everybody's experience is so different. And for some people, it is highly fresh and emotional or recent and painful and then for other people it's they've had a lot of time and that's just been their life and so I think that again there's so many different scenarios and even with the word adoption like um I know several people in my life who maybe they didn't have a really strong parent figure but they ended up being adopted by somebody unofficially or officially in their life to step into that role so Mm -hmm. it's just such a cool thing and I think that adoption foster relationships family all of that just takes so much courage and selflessness and um removing of egos and maturity so I am definitely excited to share my experience and my siblings experience and more about my parents so um I guess kind of starting from the beginning my mom and dad were unable to get pregnant because um and when I say mom and dad I mean my parents that adopted me which I'll always refer to them as my mom and dad um were unable to get pregnant because my mom had quite a few autoimmune issues and I know she struggled you know with not being able to get pregnant and um she'll come on the podcast and talk intimately about that um which will be a really special uh conversation but they ended up looking for an agency where they could adopt a child within the U.S. and they had preferred to have a child that was um, more at infant stages. And so my parents essentially submitted a scrapbook to an agency called Holt International, which I know they do um, international adoptions as well as domestic. And I'm sure they uh, do more than that as well. But My parents submitted a scrapbook and were chosen by my adoptive or by my biological parents who were teenagers, I think 16 and 17 when they had me and were contemplating adoption. So I was actually two weeks old when I was formally adopted. And um, yeah, so that's how my parents just got me by chance. And I know that a couple weeks prior to that, they were up for another child, but that mom ended up going with another set of parents and it's just crazy how chances have to fall so just the chance of even being here or being with that family and I think that the fact that they even that a teenager because imagine how hard it is as a teenager to probably be walking through high school pregnant and I just all I can say is I just am so thankful and grateful for the amount of courage that took, not just probably from my biological mom, but from members around her as well. And um, yeah, I, I had a private adoption, also known as a closed adoption, which that technically means that 
there you really don't have access to a lot of information or a relationship mm. once you are given up for adoption and biological moms have a ton of rights until you are given up for adoption and um that was as a kid I think really hard because I my sister who is um two years younger than me is has an open adoption and she knows her biological mom she knows her biological grandparents her half siblings so I think growing up and seeing that I felt like I was missing something but now as an adult I really don't I don't have a craving for a relationship with a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or grandparents because I have those things and I think for me like you said it's it's just more natural curiosity with what runs in my blood like mm. like I guess DNA wise like what makes me me but yeah um yeah so that's kind of my and adoption why, why was it two weeks after mm -hmm. uh two weeks after like what did they were they considering not giving up giving you up mm -hmm. for adoption or was it just hard to find the right parents or yeah I, I, my mom mm -hmm, my mom will probably be able to chat more accurately about this but I know that they were contemplating adoption and that some people were on board with it and others weren't so I think some side of the family probably wanted to keep me and other fam part of the family wanted to give me up so it was really sad because I think there was a lot of um you know I don't think they really wanted to give me up for adoption but they knew that at that age they couldn't give me the life that they wanted me to have which I think is so beautiful and selfless um and I guess I you know I know I had a closed adoption but I did get a letter from my biological father when I was I must have been like maybe 12 or 13 years old and he wrote me a letter and in that letter he basically said why they chose to give me up for adoption and um he also let me know in that letter that I have two full biological uh sisters in the world um yeah the, uh, what, was that, what was that like getting that letter like I'm, as yeah you know, as a kid just Kind of, I mean, because you knew that you were adopted, so it wasn't mm -hmm. like a surprise. You knew that they were out there, but you, I mean, did you expect to have contact with them or? No, I think. Okay, so yeah, obviously, with seeing my parents were always really honest with all of us about adoption because, <clears throat> bear in mind, like my sister, she, my mom was never pregnant. There was no time for my mom to explain like you're gonna have a sister and like your sister's in my belly. My mom didn't get to have those things so my sister was just brought home so I think that adoption I just thought that was how it was for everyone um that kids are just brought home from places and that you can return them like I told my sister um I said my first words were wow she's really cute but can you take her back now because I really thought that that was how the process worked but um I think getting that letter after again my sister has a really special relationship with her whole biological family and my sister's biological mom was always incredibly thoughtful of including me in things like she if she invited Mackenzie to something she invited me to something um when she got married my sister got to be a flower girl and I was also asked to be a part of the wedding and um 
you know, they send us gifts and cards for birthdays and holidays, and we've spent a ton of time with them, and they're a huge part of our lives. Um, so when I got that letter, I think at first it was, I think, frustrating because I didn't understand it at that age. But then it also was a lot of closure. Like I was like, wow, they did this out of an act of we want better for you than we can give you. And I was like, I hope that I can be that way one day too. So I think I felt quite a bit of closure from it, but of course it sparked wanting more, right? Because once you have a letter, you're like, oh, this is an open line of communication. But the rule was that, you know, in a closed private adoption, technically you're not really supposed to have a lot of contact. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And then I talked on the phone with him once, my biological father, and I think, I'm not sure how old I was, but it was in middle school and it was back in the time when you remember your friend's phone numbers. And, um, I was like, I had just gotten out of the shower and was in my towel and my dad was like, Oh, Emily, someone's on the phone for you. And I was like, you know, ran to the phone thinking it was one of my classmates. And I said, hi, this is Emily. And no one answered for a second. And then finally, like this man says, hi. And then he's, it's your biological father. And I just remember sitting there and looking at my dad who was in the room with me and being like, I had so much to say, but I couldn't say anything. So I just sat there and was like, hi, like, like what do you say? Cause you have so much running through your head and even I mean, just and how old are you again? I don't, I don't really, I was in middle school, so I don't know the exact age. I think maybe sixth grade. I think, yeah, it was, I think this call was before the letter that was sent to me. Um, and he, I think he must've felt the same way. Like there's so much to say, but what do you, I think just hearing that other person's voice for the first time, I think both of us were like, whoa, this is. Like even just hearing the other person talk was overwhelming. And so I think he asked me why I wasn't doing so well in math class, because I think maybe my dad had talked to him a little bit beforehand. And um, I was like, yeah, it's not really my top subject, but I can talk to you about other things that I'm good at. And I don't I that's really all I remember from the conversation. Um, So that's really the only two forms of contact I've ever had is really uh, that phone call and then maybe a couple times of trying to send emails and then... Um, yeah, because you've reached out to them, right? Did you write a letter and email them or something? I think I, I definitely tried to email, but um, it's, yeah, it, it there was not really ever... Yeah. There was no... Those are the only two forms of like a two-way response I got was the phone call and then um and then the letter. But I'm I'm like I'm very grateful. I again I don't I understand it. I respect it especially now as an adult. Um and I'm sure they have their reasons why as well of not having that relationship. So I'm incredibly grateful to be here. Incredibly grateful for the amount of courage it probably took them to go through with something like that and yeah so um Kenzie was Kenzie's my sister who's a year and 11 months younger because that's exactly what she'll tell you 
And um, again, her biological family is amazing. They were invited to our wedding. They are really just great people. And Mackenzie will come on and talk about her perspective of knowing a biological, her biological family. But as a kid, I definitely envied that. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she gets to have that and it, it looks really cool and they're really great people. So why can't I have that too? So I think that as a kid, I was just confused at and jealous because she was my sister um, and she had something that I didn't. I was like, oh, well, it looks like it is just easy and it works out and there's much more that goes into that. So um, did you did you ever like have any feelings about being adopted? Like apart from not knowing, like comparing your sister's experience with her biological family and knowing mm -hmm. them. But just just the, the the whole like context of being adopted versus being a biological daughter of 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 your parents like did that like how did you ever like have any like sadness about it or or uh, feel like you were different or anything like that like growing up? Honestly, no, because my parents were very just real with all of us from a young like I mm-hmm. I really just feel like if anything it made me feel like really cared about again because mm-hmm. even just that getting that letter and saying that we wanted better for you we wanted you to have the chances and opportunities and access to things that we just couldn't give you and so I think that I'm just very grateful and even my mom and dad who adopted me they went through their own trials of starting a family and my dad lost his brother and um when he was in college and his brother was 21 and my dad had to kind of give up a lot and start his career really early and my mom couldn't have kids so I think their journey was really special as well and just again the odds of a family becoming a family and our family's definitely strange like I definitely felt like oh we're all really different but I think that's how any family is um Mm -hmm. even when you are born from (laughs) like all born from the same person but um my my twin siblings are blonde hair blue eyed Kenzie's a quarter black I'm a quarter Filipino um and then my parents I'm not really sure like exactly what they would say that they are but we don't look all identical I think Kenzie and I probably share the same like growing up we definitely looked like sisters um because of our complexion but um I don't really I think because all of my siblings were in the same exact scenario I never felt like the odd man or I felt like kind of responsible because I was the oldest so I needed to lead with like confidence and let them know that they were so loved and um yeah so I guess I just never felt different yeah that's good I mean I know your parents are awesome um shout out to Doug and Melinda um (laughs) (laughs) but no I mean I think I think that's awesome it's it's interesting because I've heard of I've had you know friends in the past who've been adopted kind of struggle struggle with that in a way um but you know, just knowing that how awesome your parents are and how they made you feel like chosen and loved and, um, you know, going through that with your siblings obviously is 
just made it feel normal, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like I, I think Kenzie's biological mom and family were always very inclusive of me. So I don't really feel like I was ever treated or left out of anything, which I think, again, just goes back to the core of the great greatness in people around me um, with like such high level of love and care and integrity. Um, and so, I mean, I definitely saw my sister go through different things, which again, she'll come on the podcast and talk about with having that relationship. And I know one thing my sister said in high school that was that I know she regrets saying, but um, I, one time she was in an argument with my mom and said, you know, something like, you don't understand me like my biological mom does. And when you're mm. truthful with your kids, um, mm. obviously teenagers and middle schoolers can cut deep sometimes with mm-hmm. words. And um, I know that one really stuck with my mom, but um, obviously I think my a mom is a mom. Like she's the one that raised us. She's the one that did everything. And my sister probably didn't mean that, but, um, I think that our family definitely argued. We, I was more of the retreat to a quiet place and give people the silent treatment. And then some other family members were more vocal about their feelings. Um, and yeah, then, after Kenzie was brought into the picture, I was just praying for like a brother. I was like, please give me a brother. I want a brother. And um, obviously my mom can't get pregnant. So that was kind of drifting out of the picture. But then when I was eight and a half years old, I found out about the twins who my parents actually kept a secret from us because they were born uh, three and a half months early and they're technically related to my mom. So, um, the twins were born three and a half months early and my parents fostered them. But when they were in the hospital, there was a lot of uncertainty of if they'd survive. They were like Katie's arm was the size of my pinky. Like she was one pound. And so they, shouldn't have survived probably and their miracles and and my parents didn't tell Kenzie and I about them until they were a little more certain that they would make it um and so I I remember getting ready for school one morning and and my mom was like you might get twin siblings and it was just we were like over the moon jumping up and down um but the twins experience was I think that was where I learned that things can be taken from you in an instant at, at a really young age because it took us four years to formally adopt them. And there's a lot of uncertainty there, again, because foster works a lot differently than a private or open or closed adoption does. And I think you're not really guaranteed anything, which I know is life in general, but um, I think it just taught me like to appreciate what you have and the moments you have with people and the impression that you leave on people because I was old enough to understand that there was a chance that we would not get to keep them but they were always with us so that has stuck with me and uh, again just goes to show kind of the character of my parents Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that uh, 
That would be cra- I can't. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I've heard you talk about this, but it's still, just it would be crazy to think about. Just like, oh, you're getting two more siblings, like you know, and um, and yeah, it's it's so awesome. That and and just together. the odds of yeah, the odds of that too. Like the twins again were one pound nine ounces and one pound fourteen ounces. They should not be here. Like they were just. Thank goodness for the, you know, incredible Nikki they were on. But, um, you know, the, growing up, there there was a lot of, I was old enough to see, like, what my parents were going through. And they, they did have a lot of health issues. And Caleb had major heart and eye surgery. And in one of those surgeries, they bumped his vocal cords. And so he can't speak at the same time like level audio wise as we can and so as a baby they the doctors told my mom that she needed to learn that our family needed to learn sign language because until he could talk they weren't sure if he would talk and so Mm. I think there was also a lot of like trials with the twins that put my parents in a lot of high stress with trying to raise you know Kenzie and I were at the age of going to practices and doing sports and wanting to go to friends' houses and, uh, you know, having more homework than little kids do. So I think that there was a lot of tension and stress at that time too that was in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine that would be just really stressful. But yeah, I mean, I think... I know you're going to be talking about it with more people in the future and, um, you know, all that, but like, I guess, what do you think, like, wh- what would you say to, for, you know, I guess parents who, you know, are in similar positions as, or I guess not yet parents, but married couples who are in similar shoes as your parents were, where they, you know, they're considering adoption. Like, is there any like considerations that you would tell them or, or I guess maybe on the flip side, like, you know, maybe younger people who were adopted like you know that are struggling with like not knowing their biological parents like from your from your perspective like what like what would you tell them I know that's like a super broad question but no I I think your perspective is is valuable Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I hope that one day we can adopt um I adoption is also um unfortunately really expensive like it um it, yeah how it, much, do you know how much it is like <laughs> for an adoption i don't i'm not asking how much you were <laughs> are you asking uh, how much like, i cost I, I know i know it but it's up to you if you want to share that but um no i'm just but like on it i guess do you know how much it costs to get an option it just depends well i mean it, it it there's a huge range like it, i mean like, I'm not even going to attempt at answering that question, but it can be all the way from like a few grand to like 60,000 or more, mm-hmm. 80,000 maybe, depending on, it's just depending on a million different things. Like where is the mm-hmm. child located? What are the biological mom's needs? Because, or like what agency are you working with? Is it through foster care? Because that's a different way of adopting. So hopefully we can have an expert on this podcast who can formally kind of share 
more of those statistics about adoption foster how many people consider it because i know there are like public facts about it on different sites but i would love to bring someone on that like has that level of um education on it but i think it'd be cool if you if you were able to to like dig into that with other people and Mm -hmm. like you know, even like having somebody on who is is trying to go through the adoption process, but mm-hmm. maybe financially it's it's really burdensome, or or um, you know just their experience with it. I, I think that'd be cool. I think also it's just crazy how many you know people there are in the foster care system, you know, who maybe ended up there because they they weren't adopted, or or mm-hmm. just kids who who do need you know families um to go to and the fact that it's so challenging on for for good families who want to adopt mm-hmm. like ah uh, yeah it would be good to understand that because i think looking at that that that's got to be such a big mountain to look at when mm-hmm. you're considering adoption it's like for people who are struggling to have kids or you know who maybe want to to um, you know, go down that road. It's like, well, where do I even start? Like, well, <laughs> you know, what do I, what do I even do? Mm-hmm. What I will say is, I feel like a lot of times it's just, yeah. I think first, like, I'm a big believer in like things happen for a reason and manifesting what it is you want. And so, I think if you are feeling called to adoption or foster or something like that, just kind of putting yourself in scenarios or groups or environments where you'll be more you'll I guess just have more information or access to those possibilities um and I think when you open up to people you it could be right in front of you and you just might not know it like there might be a kid in your neighborhood or next door in your life but I think for me if when when we can adopt or when you know I definitely would like to do that and we've talked about that but because of my situation, I would really like to adopt a child within the U.S. if possible, um, just to kind of give a kid the same chance that I had. But I also know that there are more kids outside the U.S. that do need that second chance just just with, you know, the way things are in other countries. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's like a right or wrong thing you can do, but I would say that it's not just the cool thing to do when you adopt a child's like – because somebody else did it from another country. I think that adoption should be coming from a place of selflessness, care, intention, integrity, love. And so if it's any of those things, um, I don't really think that there's a right or wrong with how you fall into a process. So that, yeah, I think it's just such a cool and selfless thing. And I wanted to be a part of the conversation so that's um why we're here yeah no i think that's awesome i think you know just yeah it, people they're they're so i think adoption is so good and um you know it's it's something that people really should listen to stories about um just to kind of open up their worldview a little bit um because there's certainly a lot of people who aren't adopted or never mm-hmm. thought about that or um, you know, never ran into any family members who were put in a position where they needed to consider adoption or, you know, other alternatives, but. And this, yeah. And this podcast too is, it's not just 
limited to only talking about adoption it's it it's like adoption family friends relationships yeah. because there's so many layers within like just these things and i i really want it to be like a place where people can come and laugh and um be like oh i've gone through that too or my kid said that to me too or mm-hmm. my friend is going through that and um i think that also relationships too it could be with like your relationship with anxiety or a disability or your relationship with your love for pizza so i think yeah. um yeah as you know i probably eat pizza on average like once a week would you say um yeah it'd probably be more if you could but <laughs> yeah well yeah i love pizza but anyways this is not um yeah this obviously these next these first conversations are going to be kind of unfolding myself and my um, mom and sister and dad hopefully Mm -hmm. to come on and just talk about these things um and i'm just excited for people to uh listen and hopefully enjoy it yeah awesome um no i love that and i'm glad you could kind of share your background a little bit and i'm sure through more conversations you'll be sharing more and more and people get to know you um more and more as as well as i do but uh maybe not as well but um <laughs> uh, but yeah i i know you told me that you're gonna ask a question to to all of your guests so what is that question and why don't you answer that question <laughs> yes so the question is um that I want to ask every person that comes on is what is something that you or someone else has done for you that is kind or courageous? And um, I think it's important to celebrate when whether you do that for someone or someone else does something for you and to just spread kindness all around. Um, but I was thinking about this and I have to say something about my mom that raised me because um, she... And just as every middle schooler probably goes through, I was definitely bullied about my teeth, about my, I, I was just, you know, a sensitive middle school. Middle school. middle school is really rough. It's so rough. And, you know, you just are at your most vulnerable state, especially as a girl. Um, and so I remember getting out of dance class and this girl, like, did something with her hands and was making fun of my teeth. Like, I don't even remember exactly what she did, but I went home crying because I was sensitive. And my mom was like, you know what? No, you are the most beautiful person and you just need to like keep your chin up and just brush it off, brush the haters off basically is what she said. And mm-hmm. my my mom, um, she'll talk about this, but she has one eye, like she had health issues. So her, she has a glass eye and that was taken her eye was taken out in her 30s which is like her prime you know your prime time as a woman like 30 to 50 and um I knew if she could be saying that to me then I was like well yeah I am beautiful and I could walk in that confidence because I had a mom that walked in that same confidence and um yeah so I just think that I thank my mom for being just uplifting everyone around her like I think she did that for all me and my siblings and she really does put other people before herself especially us and is able to approach things that way and always be thinking about how it's making the other person feel so I know that's a broad answer but I really think that 
that's a memory that'll always stick with me. And I hope to make my daughter feel the same way one day when she comes home from middle school and has somebody make a comment, you know? Yeah. I love that. I think that's good. And I love that question um, for the people. And it's good for the people to think about, you know, what are, what are, uh, you know, common things going on around here? What, what is something courageous? You know, you can start looking for it a little bit. I can't wait to have you on the podcast to talk about your family and your journey. And, and then you get asked that question. <laughs> I'll, we'll wait a little bit and then I'll, I'll come on and, and talk. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's good. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's good to have you share your story and be able to get to know you first. So awesome. Well, thank you for helping me in this conversation and thank you guys for listening. I'm, Welcome to Common and Courageous. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. And um, in the next few weeks, they're going to be even more intriguing with my mom, my sister, who have totally different experiences. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this and I look forward to talking to you guys next.